This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi wa kafa, wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhina astafa. All praise is definitely due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon all his companions and upon all of us inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not prohibit us from his blessings and mercy during this month of Ramadan. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us positive change in our lives during this month of Ramadan. For indeed each one of us is going to be asked on the day of Qiyamah what we achieved each one of us is going to be asked how we spent every single year during the month of Ramadan, what we did. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us from amongst those who will be dumbfounded, who won't have an answer. May we be from amongst those who can try and constantly try to become closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In tonight's verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made mention of the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam. And in the second surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of hajj. And both these surahs are named after precisely what I have just mentioned. The first is after the Anbiya, so it is known as Surah Al-Anbiya. And the second surah in the 17th juz of the Qur'an is named after hajj, and it is called Surah Al-Hajj. But before I commence with the recitation of tonight's verses, I'd like to dwell on verses that were read last night, the entire surah, which we had promised to speak about tonight, and that is Surah Taha. One might ask, what is the meaning of Taha? Taha, according to some of the narrations, is one of the names of the Prophet ﷺ. He was called Taha, according to one of the narrations, ﷺ. But the meaning of those two Arabic letters put together is only known by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can say they know the meaning. That surah was revealed in Mecca. In the midst of all the heat of the religion that had come up with the enemies who wanted to attack it and so on within Mecca. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa used to constantly remind the Muslimin of the rules and regulations of Islam, the do's and the don'ts. And so rumor had spread in Mecca to Al-Mukarramah that this Qur'an has been revealed in order to be a point of distress, a point of sadness, a point of governing people with many, many rules and regulations. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses clearly, clearly clarifying the position. These are the same verses that when Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu heard them, he was an enemy of Islam. When he heard them and understood them and understood that these verses are in actual fact a clarification of the rumors that have been spreading about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Immediately the light of Iman entered his heart. He began to weep those warm tears and he asked to be taken to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam where he declared his shahada. The verses were the opening verses of Surah Taha. They were revealed to comfort Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam firstly with answers in order to give those answers to the kuffar who had been constantly bombarding him with 
various questions and so on, and constantly spreading rumor amongst the circles of both the Muslims and the non-Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We have not revealed this Qur'an to you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in order for it to be a point of distress for you, nor for those who follow it. In fact, this Qur'an is only a revelation from the most merciful, the creator of the skies and the earth and whatever lies between it. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu began to shake when he heard these verses. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention a few verses down of a story of a certain Nabi. And why was the story mentioned in Makkah? It was mentioned tasliyatan li Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in order to comfort the heart of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reminding him of the difficulties that the other prophets have been through. And this is comforting every one of our hearts as the Muslim Ummah because we too definitely have to go through problems in our lives and difficulties. Indeed, if the chosen had to go through problems, who are we not to go through problems? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all comfort by reading what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went through. The verses that were revealed. وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسَىٰ And did the story come to you of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, Moses may peace be upon him. Did that story come to you? Now, if you look at the wording of the Quran, it is so beautiful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say, Did the story of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam come to you? He didn't word it in that way. He said, Did the story come to you of? And the last thing in the sentence is the name of the person who, who is being referred to. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. That is the power of the Qur'an in order to attract the attention of the kuffar at the time who were listening to these verses. Did the story come to you of? Each one of them thought that Allah was going to expose them. Each one of them thought that Allah was going to expose them. Imagine if that verse said, did the story come to you of Abu Jahl? He would have been disgraced. Did the story come to you of Abu Lahab? Did the story come to you of so and so, any one of the names? It was possible. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept them gripped. Did the story come to you of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam? They sighed a sigh of relief to say at least it's not us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to comprehend the power of the Qur'an. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam's story. He says, إِذْ رَآ نَارًا فَقَالَ لِأَهْلِهِمْ كُثُوا إِنِّي آنَسْتُ نَارًا Behold, when he saw the, the fire. Remember, it was a dark night. He was walking and they were almost lost. They had lost the path, the physical road from point A to point B. He was not sure of the way and he saw a light. He saw a fire in a certain direction. And he told his family members, wait here, remain where you are, let me go towards that fire, 
and I intend to come back from there with guidance and possibly a piece of the fire. I want to bring it so that you can also be warm. What do we learn from this? Something very, very high. Each one of us are lost. Possibly not physically from point A to point B, but spiritually we are at times grappling to come to terms with reality. And we are at times fighting our nafs in order to abstain from haram and in order to take away the evil thoughts that we have of others and the evil ideas we have in our own minds. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whenever that happens, search for light, you shall find it. You shall find the light, but you need to make an effort to find the light. Imagine, we know, because we've read the verses, that this was not a fire that Musa alayhi salatu wasalam saw. It was the light that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decided to throw upon a particular valley. Or in a particular valley. We know it was not fire. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed, he could have met Musa alayhi salatu wasalam on the road, exactly where he was. Why did he have to make an effort to walk from where he was, to leave his family, to go to a bit of a distance in search of that particular fire or light? This teaches us that an effort is required, definitely. If we'd like to achieve guidance of any form, of any sort, don't think by sitting at home or just sitting doing nothing, it's going to suddenly drop through the ceiling. Most probably even the light bulbs we have might even stop working. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. The spiritual light, if we want it, we need to hunt for it. We need to come out. It is not going to be easy to get it, to put it into our lives and so on. A, a great effort is required in order to earn this spiritual upliftment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. He told his family members, I'm going to come back and I'm going to benefit you with a piece of this flame. How many of us are guilty of returning home and never discussing the beautiful spiritual lessons that we may have learnt either in the masjid or elsewhere with our family members? We are guilty at times. We return home, we probably speak about the food and the drink and the fact that we are tired, we might pick up the newspaper and begin to read. It is our duty to share with our family members whatever goodness we have come across through that day. It is our duty. As Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, we see him when he went out to look for goodness, he told his family members, hang on. You wait here, you remain here, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to come back with that goodness to you. I hope we've learned the lesson. Then Musa alayhi salatu wasalam continued further. As he came closer, he noticed that this is not a fire. It is a different type of a light. It is a different type of a light. And he got excited because he did not notice people around that. And as the excitement was building, he heard a voice. Rabbul izzati wal jalal. Ya Musa, inni ana rabbuk. As he was gaining closeness or getting closer physically to this light, and he was getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah called him with the voice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, O Musa, I am your Rabb. Just try and picture the scene. Dark night, a light. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam is walking. What do you think his reaction must have been? He was. Subhanallah, I cannot describe the reaction of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam thereafter heard the first command 
that came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What was it? He was trying to gain closeness to Allah and Allah says, Inni ana rabbuka Remove your shoes, O Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. What is the significance of removal of shoes? Some of the Mufassireen have spoken about it. And they have said, in order for any one of us to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we need to remove the point of contact between ourselves and the ground and the earth. The dunya, the point of contact between myself and this dunya is precisely my shoe. If I am to remove it and to throw it aside, that is the only time I will gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For as long as I am clinging to the dunya, for as long as I am... I have become a slave of the dunya, I can forget about becoming a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the significance or one of the points of significance of the first command to Musa alayhi salatu wasalam by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, Ya Musa, inni ana rabbuka fakhla'an alayk. I am your Rabb. So first thing, remove your shoes. Take them out. You are indeed in a sacred valley. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, he could have met Musa alayhi salatu wasalam at the top of the mount. But no, he met him right at the bottom. That is a lesson for all of us. The journey to success always commences at the bottom and it is an uphill march. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us. May we never slide back as we are walking up the hill. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of many other points. And I'm only going to speak on a few. One, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of qiyamah and the hour. And He says, فَلَا يَصُدَّنَّكَ عَنْهَا مَنْ لَا يُؤْمِنُ بِهَا وَاتَّبَعَهَا وَاهُ فَتَرْدَى Do not let those who do not believe in the akhirah lead you astray and make you oblivious of the fact that indeed you are going to arrive at the akhirah. How many of us, we know we are going to die, we know we are going to meet our Creator, but really and truly, if we were to ask ourselves today, what preparation have I made for that day, most probably the answer will be nothing. Each one of us is guilty of knowing that we are getting or we are moving in a certain direction but not preparing for the day we actually meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told one of his messengers, do not let anything lead you astray from the fact that there is an akhirah, there is a day of judgment coming. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make Whatever wealth we have, whatever children we have, whatever goodness we have, whatever health we have, may Allah not make all that lead us astray from the fact that we are actually going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one day. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, who was the best of the time, to the worst of the time who was Fir'aun. Fir'aun used to say, أَنَا رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَىٰ I am your Rabb. He used to tell his subjects, I am your God, I created you. You need to worship me, and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a Nabi, the best of the time, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, to the worst of the time who was Fir'aun. Do you know what he said? He said, when he addressed Musa and Harun alayhi salam, فَقُولَا لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيْنًا لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَّرُ أَوْ يَخْشَاءُ Go to Fir'aun and speak to him with soft words. 
so that he might remember, he might, it might serve as a reminder to him, and he might become conscious of us. Imagine, the best being sent to the worst, and reminded to speak politely, speak in a manner that he will have no excuse, speak in a manner that will present the truth to him in a very, very beautiful, polite way. How many of us are guilty when we want to correct a person, really and truly, whose mobile phone has rung? For example, in the masjid, everyone turns back, looks at him, and some would swear, huge swear words, taking the sin of the ringing of the, t of the phone in the masjid upon themselves, and letting the man leave the masjid spotless. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Small correction. That man can never be worse than Fir'aun, and we can never be worse, better than Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. We cannot be better than Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. And nobody we shall ever address can ever be worse than Fir'aun. So therefore, we have a lesson to learn from this. Whenever we speak to people, inviting them towards goodness, be they Muslim or non-Muslim, we are meant to be speaking in the best manner, the most polite words. We are meant to be attracting them to the truth. The rest is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of a very powerful point. The importance of unity is highlighted in the surah, surah Taha. Where Musa alayhi salatu wasalam went to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and left his people with his brother Harun alayhi salam. And they began to worship a calf because a certain man known as Samiri decided to con the people into gathering all their jewelry and so on and he melted all the jewelry and created a calf-like idol which made a sound because it was hollow. And he told them, this is your Lord. And na'udhu billah, some of them began to engage in shirk. Harun alayhi salatu wasalam was ordered to keep the ummah of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam in order whilst Musa alayhi salatu wasalam went away. What did he do? He spoke to the people telling them, do not worship this calf. This is shirk, this is, un uh, this is unacceptable, this is incorrect and so on. But unfortunately... They refused to listen. And they told him, we shall remain worshipping the scarf until Musa alayhi salatu wasalam comes back. And Samiri was the one who was guilty of having brainwashed a lot of them into worshipping the scarf. So Harun alayhi salatu wasalam was faced with a choice. He could have really and truly split the community into two pieces and taken away those who did not worship the calf and gone away with them and leave those who were worshipping the calf astray. And the second option was to try and continue reminding them but leave the community in one piece and wait for the day Musa alayhi salatu wasalam comes back because a more powerful person would probably be able to bring them back all on track one time whilst maintaining the unity of the entire community. And he opted for the second option. What did he do? Harun alayhi salatu wasalam kept the community together. And he kept on reminding them, but he did not break away with those who were not engaged in shirk. When Musa alayhi salatu wasalam came, he told him, he says, O oh Harun, what is it that stopped you 
from rectifying them and correcting them when you saw that they were astray. And Musa alayhi salatu wasalam was so upset that he had got hold of Harun alayhi salatu wasalam's beard and his hair or the head. And he began to shake him, shake his face. And Harun alayhi salatu wasalam responded and that response is mentioned in the Quran. يَا بْنَ أُمَّ لَا تَأْخُذْ بِلِحْيَتِي وَلَا بِرَأْسِي إِنِّي خَشِيتُ أَن تَقُولَ فَرَّقْتَ بَيْنَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ وَلَمْ تَرْقُبْ قَوْلِي Oh my brother, oh the son of my mother, do not hold me by my beard and my head. I was definitely worried of the fact that you might come back and say, Oh Harun, you've split the community into two, which was even worse. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unite us. At times, we need to use intellect and hikmah and wisdom to keep communities together. Today, the Muslim ummah is split over the smallest, smallest of details. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Minute issues are splitting the entire ummah. One wonders, who does this benefit? Who does it benefit? Our disunity benefits none other than the enemies of Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unite the ummah. It is not impossible. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really and truly grant us the ability to tolerate one another. And more than that, may He grant us the power of whenever we've heard the truth, surrendering to it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all strong. Thereafter, Surah Al-Anbiya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights the stories of the Anbiya. And as I'd mentioned many times this Ramadan, every time Allah repeats the stories of any Anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam, the highlight, the main point is something else. And in this particular surah, Surah Al-Anbiya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is again comforting not only Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but every single one of us. Telling us the difficulties they went through, but more than that, the fact that each one of them made a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That dua, the response of it did not come immediately. It came after some time. Today we make a dua, Ya Allah, give me happiness. Happiness might come to you 20 years later. It happened to the Anbiya, alayhimu salatu wasalam. Some of them, the assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came after many, many years in the direction of the dua that was made. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us strong. So if we study Surah Al-Anbiya, it starts with a reminder of how man is so oblivious of the fact that he is going to die. The fact that he is going to face his creator. And the fact that death is a whisker away. The account and the taking of the accounts of man is very, very near. But man is oblivious, turning away, not even realizing that he is a whisker away from meeting his creator. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us conscious of death. And may Allah make us from amongst those who can prepare for it. In fact, another verse in the same surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeats, كُلُّ نَفْسٍ الْمَوْتِ Indeed, every soul shall taste death. Myself and yourselves and all those who have passed before us. 
May Allah make it easy for us the day we die. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all Jannah. And those who've already passed away, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive them. And may Allah grant them Jannah as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the Anbiya. And He says, وَنُوحًا إِذْ نَادَى Remember, when Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam called out to us. This is proving to myself and yourselves that Nuh alayhi salam, a Nabi, also made dua because he had difficulties. He asked Allah to save him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after some time, فَاسْتَجَبْنَا لَهُ We answered him. Amazing. Then, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of another dua, of another Nabi. وَأَيُوبَ إِذْ نَادَى when Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam called out, Allah says, after some time, after a long time, فَاسْتَجَبْنَا We answered him, subhanallah. The lesson is for myself and yourselves. We need to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't lose hope. يُسْتَجَابُ لِأَحَدِكُمْ مَا لَمْ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Allah will answer the call of every single one of you for as long as you are not in haste. What is the haste? The haste is a person says, I, I called out to Allah, but he seems not to be listening to me. Astaghfirullah. Look at the Anbiya. Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam suffered for many, many years. But when Allah answered his dua, it came wholesale. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant that to us as well. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention yet of Yunus alayhi salatu wasalam. Notice the word nada, meaning he called. He called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the darkness. And Allah says, after some time, we, call, we answered the call and we saved him from whatever was worrying him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from our worries and tensions as well. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of yet another Nabi and the dua that was made. And Allah says, we answered him years later in such a manner that he was surprised himself. When Zakariya alayhi salatu wasalam called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what did he say? Ya Allah, grant me male offspring. And Allah says, We answered his call and we gave him as a gift from us, Yahya alayhi salatu wasalam, so much so that he was really looking for answers if the members of the community had asked him questions and he says, Ya Allah, grant me a sign. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, your sign is to remain silent. Don't talk. Allah will clear the matter for you. May Allah make things easy for us as well. So, from this surah, what do we learn from Surah Al-Anbiya? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is the lesson. إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَيَدْعُونَنَا رَغَبًا وَرَهَبًا وَكَانُوا لَنَا خَاشِعِينَ Definitely, all these Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam, they used to make haste when it came to goodness, they never stopped. Even though they were going through difficulty after difficulty, they made haste when it came to goodness. They never stopped. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they constantly called out to us without ever losing hope. Not one of the anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam lost hope. They all made dua to Allah. 
And each one of us makes dua. But the difference is, we lose hope very quick. A year, two years down the line, we say, Allah has let me down. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. So Allah says, when they called out to us, they had a certain quality in them. Raghaban wa rahaban. They called out to us, hoping in our mercy and fearing our punishment. Imagine. The Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam also feared the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they called out to Allah knowing that if Allah has given us, it is through His mercy. And if He has kept it away from us, it is also through His mercy. The rank of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was raised even higher and higher every time he went through calamity and difficulty. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. Let's move on to the next surah. Suratul Hajj, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the initial call of Hajj by Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. And no coincidence that the commencing of that particular surah is a reminder of the day of Qiyamah. Because Hajj itself is a reminder of the day of Qiyamah. We move to perform and fulfill our Hajj with two pieces of cloth, just like the kafan or similar to the kafan. And we all gather in Arafat. Each one is making his own dua in Arafat. And everyone is dressed. One standard dress, the males. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us. Surah Al-Hajj, the first verses, Allah mentions how drunk the people will seem on the day of Qiyamah. Ya ayyuha nasu taqu rabbakum. إِنَّ زَلْزَلَةَ السَّاعَةِ شَيْءٌ عَظِيمٌ O people, fear your Rabb. Be conscious of your Rabb, your Creator. The one who sustains you and provides for you. The one who cures you. The one whom you are going to return to. Be conscious of Him. Why? Allah says, because the hour of the tremor is something very, very serious and severe. Be conscious of it. And Allah describes that day. The opening verses of Surah Al-Hajj. Any one of us who've been for Hajj, if we had closed our eyes in Arafat and pondered over the day of Qiyamah, we would have really, really been spiritually rejuvenated to the degree that we would not be able to describe it. Allah says, يَوْمَ تَرَوْنَهَا تَذْهَلُ كُلُّ مُرْضِعَةٍ عَمَّا أَرْضَعَتْ وَتَضَعُ كُلُّ ذَاتِ حَمْلٍ حَمْلَهَا وَتَرَ النَّاسَ سُكَارًا وَمَا هُمْ بِسُكَارًا وَلَكِنَّ عَذَابَ اللَّهِ شَدِيدٌ Allah says on that day, every woman who is breastfeeding will forget about the child that is suckling. And every woman who is pregnant will actually give birth because of the sound, the huge sound which will bring the day of Qiyamah into action. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, people will be rushing, running around from pillar to post, seeming totally drunk, yet they are not drunk. Why? Because the punishment of Allah on that day will be so severe. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. We are so fortunate to be breathing. Every breath is speaking to us. Turn to Allah. It is not too late. I am going to stop one day. Have we heard our breath saying that? The problem with us, I was told yesterday by one of the doctors, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all lessons from this, that the heart beats 103,000 times a day, or 106,000 times a day. 
how many times can we say shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We can never compete. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are taught that even if we are to remain in sujood the entire life, we will never do justice to the gifts that Allah has given us. That heart, no battery, no nothing. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it pump an average of 103 to 106,000 times a day. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really and truly grant us consciousness of the fact that even the heartbeat speaks to us and tells us, I am going to stop one day. Turn to Allah before it is too late. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all understanding. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the call of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam and the fact that he called out. He was commanded and instructed to call. Where was he calling? There were no telephones. There were no microphones. There, were no, there was no internet. There were no radios. Nothing at all. But Allah says, just call. We will do the rest. You will find people rushing to Makkah on foot and on every lean camel and every mode of transport you can have. Today, doesn't that happen? Where was the initial call? Allah says, you, O Ibrahim والسلام, announce the Hajj. And you will find that people will come from all four corners of the world, walking on foot and on every lean camel, on every mode of transport. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us from amongst those who are lazy to fulfill Hajj. Remember, never ever say, I am not ready for it. If you have the wealth and you are able and capable, that is the time Allah has chosen for you to go. Even if you are 20 years old. The fact that you have the wealth and you are capable and able, don't say, let me just engage in my sins for another 10 years. Then when I'm 30, I'll go. You may never see that 30th year of yours. You might die at the age of 22. Who knows? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely question us, will he forgive us? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on us, and may we not be lazy when it comes to fulfilling hajj. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really and truly accept us all. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.